We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And there's been so much talk of the restructuring of the team with LeBron at the five. You got AD waiting in the wings. Hopefully we hear something about him in the next couple of weeks. But going forward, it seems like we're we're locked into this idea. And that brings us to Dwight Howard. The way I view this roster is there's two of a lot of different types of players. You've got two primary ball handlers in LeBron and Russell Westbrook. You've got two stretch fours in Trevor Ariza and Carmelo Anthony, one who's more offensively inclined, the other who's more defensively inclined. You have two speed guards in Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. What you don't have two of are two legit traditional big men. The idea, I, I think, at the beginning of the year, but DeAndre Jordan proved to not be able to measure up to that. And so in the context of this going toward a small ball type of lineup, we still have to be able to go big. We still have to be able to play big. And Dwight is our our best option to be able to do that. And he's been somebody who's been able to take three, four DNPs in a row and come in and be ready right away. I was super impressed with that by him in the Sacramento game D's. There's been a couple of times, I think you ran into him in the lobby or in the weight room or somewhere, Mike, a little while back where you thought he thought he was going to get some minutes that night, perhaps, and he was ready to go and he kicked butt that night too. And so D, talk to me about the about Dwight Howard. Where does he fit into this whole new paradigm that we're in? Let me just say this about Dwight. Five years ago, if I would have said, Dwight Howard, consummate professional. <laughs> right. Not too athletic, not too athletic, but he's going to be a pro for you. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I think I would have gotten the side eye from a lot of people if that was the framing of him within the discussion. But what you described just right now, Pete, was sort of that idea of, of being a consummate pro and never knowing when your number is going to get called per se and still being ready for well for that. I think, Mike, the story that, that you relayed was that Dwight was lifting on a game day and he didn't expect to play. And then DeAndre got right. an early shift and he looked bad. And Dwight was sort of like, Sacramento, oh, it's yeah. my turn? You want me to play? Oh, well, okay. And then he went out there and kicked butt 
And and then he got some and then the Lakers went small again and then they brought him into play against Steven Adams when they played Memphis a, about a week ago and he played well in that game as well then got a string of DMPs and he played against the Kings and he played well again and Dwight is the least of my worries in terms of like, is he going to be ready to play when he's called on? It's more, is he going to be effective if he has to play every single night? And I don't think Dwight at this point of his career, Mike, is a, I can hang in every single matchup that is out there at a baseline level where you feel comfortable playing him. I do not think he is an every game player at this point, basically. And that makes it like I said this on Twitter a few weeks ago, and I think I got some some chuckles that Dwight Howard is a some nights player. And I said DeAndre Jordan is a no nights player. And I think that that's where the Lakers are with their traditional big man rotation. I'm thrilled that Dwight is still showing the bones of a good house. He still got the instincts. He still got some of the athleticism. He still got all of the know-how around the basket. He's still strong as hell. And he can still wreak havoc in a phone booth sort of way, right? He went from the, if I'm going to make a football analogy, he went from the prize left tackle to like the right guard. The right guard is still super important, but he is no longer that supreme athlete that you put out there on the edge against the other elite athlete. He is the dude who is going to maul you inside now. And that's super valuable, I think, against certain matchups, but it's not needed every night. As you were going there, it made me think about the this whole conversation about the Lakers age and the age of their roster. And guess what? They're younger now. Malik Monk is starting. He played 37 minutes last game. He's 23. Austin mm-hmm. Reeves is 22 or 23. He's 23. 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, THT is 21, right? So they're, those guys have basically replaced to start the season, whether it was DeAndre um, or uh, even, you know, Dwight playing the regular minutes and certainly Rondo. Like those are those are your three guys that weren't going to play that much. So you're so you're now down to LeBron. You know, Westbrook is 33. Mm-hmm. And Avery Bradley's 31, you know, and, you know, Mello, of course, is still is still older and it's Mello and Dwight. I want to talk about here. So, and of course, mostly Dwight. But those guys, if you give them a day or two or in Dwight's case, like four days rest, you can see it. You can yeah, see it. And, and, if you, and if you don't, especially with we just saw this in, with Mello in the back to back, he did not have his legs at Memphis, nor should he. Which makes all the more remarkable that we're not talking about LeBron. Now, with that said, though, if LeBron were on this kind of a schedule, like if LeBron didn't have to play back to back. (laughs) Sure. Imagine the physical force that he would unleash on the league. But he's still LeBron is still able to find a way to do it physically. But he's you're going to see some games like you saw against Sacramento from LeBron when it's three games in four weeks uh, or three games in four days or something like that. I think that that you wouldn't have seen a couple of years ago. And that's that. So the the long way or the short way of saying this is that I think it's optimal to have Dwight be playing not all the time. That's and so point. when he does come in, he can, and he and it's also because Pete he doesn't need a day to adjust to the scheme of that night. He knows that stuff. That's one of the things where young guys really do need the continuity to find a rhythm. Dwight doesn't need that. Dwight Dwight can come in and just play hard and give you the hammer. 
that's an exceptional point. It, he rarely makes mistakes on defense in particular. And the type of defender that he is, I've noticed a trend of the type of teams that he thrives against. Um, I, I don't think it's coincidence that it, I always look at the point guard center combination for the other team and who gets big time minutes. And I think that there's a very specific couple of things that conditions that need to be there within the attributes of those opponents that make Dwight really uh, appropriate for for a certain lineup. Let's take Memphis and Sacramento. The last two times we've seen him play, he was good in both games. De'Aaron Fox and John Moran, similar type of point guards, right? Speed guards that can really get to the rim, that really can get downhill off of a ball screen. And then a role man big who is not a pick and pop threat. Now, those are very specific things, but that's Steven Adams and Alex Len. Len can shoot a little bit, but you're not too worried about that. Uh, Damian Jones, same type of thing, um, where you know they're going to roll to the rim. They're not that threat to pop behind the three-point line. And the guard with the ball in their hands is not – you're more worried about them going to the basket than you are them pulling up for the three. If that's Steph, Dwight becomes a lot more difficult to play because he's going to shoot that pull-up right there. Or if it's a pick-and-pop big, if it's Bielitsa. So the Warriors, for example, certain lineups would be difficult for Dwight in a playoff series. We're getting to the point of the season, guys, where – we really have to start looking at like only four teams in terms of a potential first round playoff opponent. The Lakers are now sixth in the Western Conference. And you look at those top four teams and it's Golden State, Phoenix, uh, Utah, and Memphis. And so it's a matter of how do we match up with these teams? And let's take a quick break. But when we come back, Dwight is so dependable defensively that I don't think he's ever gotten that credit to be the high IQ defender that he is, along with being the physically gifted athlete. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Dwight, the veteran, Dwight, the non-athlete and his ability to contribute in that manner. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's interesting because the Lakers had Dwight Howard just two seasons ago. But the nature of those two seasons is sort of like, like I didn't watch this movie, but the M. Night Shyamalan old movie where it's just like, oh, suddenly you aged like a bunch <laughs> sure. in the span of like 15 minutes, right? And it's sure. just like, like, oh, wait, you have a full-on baby now. And 15 minutes later, oh, that baby is a teenager. What happened to you? And Darius, do you know, uh, you know Zoolander? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You just you just pulled the you just pulled the Hansel line there, like Sting. 
the music that he makes. I don't really listen to it, but the fact that he makes it, I respect <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm familiar, right? This thing is out there in the ether, and 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 you saw I am preview. aware. Yeah. Yes, yes, I saw a trailer at one point. Anyways, Dwight was a much more, I think, physically athletic player when he was with the Lakers. He was in the dunk contest that year that he was on the Lakers. Like it was sort of a, it was a little bit of a novelty act, right? But it was like, oh yeah, said Dwight, he could still throw throw it down a little bit. And earlier this season, Pete, we had talked about, hey, Dwight, you're not moving as he well. He looked terrible. Man, this is no longer a conversation, but from just watching the tape from those early season games, I'm like, DJ might be the better option, which was not a compliment toward DJ. It was more of a concern about Dwight. Yeah, it was an indictment of how yeah. Dwight was moving around the floor. And mm-hmm. then, the, like, but the thing that, and this is going to get to your point now, the thing that always stood out about Dwight, though, is like, he he still had motor and an idea of what the hell he was doing out there and a commitment to executing what the ask was. And the question was physically, could could he do it? And so, like, you don't get to be, and we said this in Dwight's second return, so the championship season, you don't get to be a guy who is probably a top five or six defensive center all time all time, right? You've mm-hmm. got like the Bill Russell, Akeem Olajuwon, and then in that conversation, you've got like Dwight Howard, Ben Wallace, Matumbo, right? Like in mm-hmm. there, sort of like, okay, these are the dudes who win all the awards. They're they're the great defensive big men. You don't get to be that just because you jump high or because you're strong. That's right. Playing defense in basketball is angles. It's understanding what the other team is actually running. It's being a step ahead and seeing action before it develops in order to position yourself correctly, in order to be able to make the play physically that other players cannot make. And then when a player is so dominant against you, like an offensive player, that you can match up physically and say like, oh no, I can get to that. Right. And so there's a whole nother level that a guy like Dwight Howard was was able to reach when when he was at his his peak. But that good bones of of that that good structure that I was talking about when when you look at like a 1950s mid-century modern house or something, you're just like, ooh, ooh, I like that. That's Dwight Howard defensively now. He knows where he's supposed to be. He still has all of those fundamentals, Mike. And and so when you throw him out there, particularly against some of the combinations that Pete was talk talking about, downhill guard, non-stretch big, right? And I think the non-stretch big part is really key in all of that is Dwight then knows the angles. Like he knows the dance steps to that. It's like that wedding where you see the old couple out there and the ballroom music comes on and they're just whipping it out. And they're like, oh, look at them. They're 65, but they're getting down right now. Like they, (laughs) Dwight's got the steps. I look at him and I'm not like, he's not a marvel at this point, but I'm just like, oh man, for all of the things that we know you're going to struggle with, these these five or six things, you still do those at a really good level. And the question for me then is more, is more about AD and when he comes back and kind of until then, and can the Lakers space out and, and essentially get enough done, get some tough wins? They're about to go on a big road trip uh, after, in, a, in about a week and a half. And like, can the Lakers with playing Dwight in limited capacity 
still get what they need. And Pete, does that does that tell you anything roster wise as they get closer to the deadline and, and the involvement of one Anthony Davis? Yeah, this is some uh, evaluation period right now that we've got going on between now and the trade deadline of because we're going to have to be able to go. Sorry, big, Pete. By yeah. the way. I think I said that in a way as if AD would be involved in the trade deadline. That, that, that <laughs> is not what I was suggesting. I mean, like AD coming back. I saw the look on your face. I saw I saw the look on your face, and you're like, "Wait a second, I really need to clarify this." <laughs> yeah, thank you. Clarified. Clarified. Yes. Yeah. No. No. AD will not be in, involved in the trade. Breaking no, thank news. You. Um, yes. So this is that evaluation period right now. Um, I'd I'd been talking for a good portion of the year about that end of first quarter and end of third quarter shift. And that's when Dwight came in, in the most recent game in Sacramento. And the reason that I've, I've singled that part of the game out is that the, the starters, I think need to be, I think AD needs to start at the five when AD comes back and, and we've already shifted toward that. And then the LeBron at the five groups need some run. And so where does that traditional big come into play? And so my thought, Mike has been that that period of time where Russ checks out at the six minute mark of the first and third quarter. That's a great time to bring Dwight into the game. It's a time to get you some of those AD and Dwight lineups together when he when he comes back. And again, it, even if AD comes back on February first, that's what two weeks until the trade deadline. So you've got to you know you got to make some decisions fairly quickly. But if we want to steal some minutes at the four, I think that that's a place where we can do that. And just in general. That idea of us having two of a bunch of different positions and types of players, we have one Dwight. And I think that part of that, and this this speaks toward his ability to always be ready, is, for example, Carmelo Anthony got into foul trouble the other night. He picked up his third foul in the second quarter. And Dwight had just played a little shift, and but it was like, Dwight, we need you to play three minutes here. We need you to play a five-minute shift here. We might not need you to play at all in the second half. And it's an unusual rotation and shift, but it allows everybody else to play their own. And so in some ways that he helps normalize and stabilize the rotation in ways that like, oh, we need a big guy here, but without messing up the the rotation and how, how everybody else is playing and incorporated into what we're doing. It's like baseball, Pete, where if he was, if the rules allowed for a relief pitcher to come in just to face a couple of batters and then the starter could come back. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of how I see Dwight. He is not. And I and I want to make sure that we hammer this point home a little bit. That end of first quarter and end of third quarter shift, it may not be appropriate for Dwight Howard. And it may be a game where he should not play. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not want to shoehorn him into the lineup just because that's typically the part of the game that he would go into. He fit against the Kings because the Kings brought in Alex Len, right? They were playing Damian Jones. LeBron was guarding Damian Jones. Damian Jones went to the bench. They brought in Alex Len. And Alex Len was being guarded by like Trevor Ariza because just like the previous game against the Timberwolves where LeBron didn't necessarily want to guard or the the idea was let's save LeBron from having to guard the big physical big big man in Nas Reed they didn't put him on Alex Len either right now the springy big big guy who is 220 pounds that LeBron just puts his forearm on and moves Mm -hmm. him away that's the center LeBron is going to guard 
Right. Great point. Mm-hmm. But the big dude who's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll post you up. You're my weight, but I've got four or five inches on you. You're LeBron James, but you're not Wilt Chamberlain. Right. Like I'm still going to try to bury you in the post a couple of times. And that works over a guy's legs. And so those are the matchups where, yes, let's go to Dwight Howard there. Right. But not every team is going to be like, oh, here, Lakers, here's a seven foot slow dude who doesn't shoot threes. And we're going to put him in at this part of the game so you can play Dwight Howard. Well, Vogel actually outlined this pretty clearly the other day. And he said there are going to be some teams that we play where it's obvious and easy to just go small with LeBron. And there are going to be some teams where it's pretty obvious that we're going to have to be a little bit bigger, like Memphis. And then there are going to be most teams where it's somewhere in between. And there isn't the obvious answer because a guy can kind of do a little bit of both. The Hawks matchup on Friday is interesting in that aspect because Capella is a traditional you know, screen roll, big lob threat catcher. He's not really going to post a ton, but he, but if you do just give him the ball down there, he can turn around and baby hook you to death for a little while. So I I don't know what they're going to do uh, in that game. And, you know, part of it depends on if Trey Young plays. Trey Young didn't play in Portland with a sore back. My, my assumption is that he will play, is that he'll, you know, I don't think he's going to want to, most guys, most guys seem to get right by the, Laker by the time the Laker game rolls around, yeah, yeah. isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, that's not the game that you take off, uh, and that's and not to say that, of course, you know Trey Young is taking a game off, uh, but that one is a I could I can make the argument either way, but Kings are coming up again after the Hawks Grizzlies, you know, back uh, those two games on Friday and Sunday. So Dwight's going to probably be needed more in this stretch than he was in the previous stretch. I guess is the way that I would put it. Yeah, and that's going to be navigating that throughout the season. And then he might get four DNPs in a row right after that, Mike, even if he's good during that stretch. And so figuring out where and when he fits is going to be part of the process. One thing that I'm excited about, though, is that I I think if if we end up resigning Stanley Johnson, who is one of the young guys, quote unquote, that that could be around here as well, um, I think at that point we have a big center that allows us to go to two big lineups. We have our center in Anthony Davis, and then we have a microball backup in Johnson. I've been so fascinated to hear Frank Vogel describing Johnson as that, because in my mind, I'd been thinking of him as like a 3-4 type. And seeing him slotted in, or and, and hearing Vogel describe him that way gives us all of these different looks to where it's like those those three, and then you know, we've talked so much about LeBron at the five, but the Stanley Johnson as as the five is defensively, he takes over Anthony Davis's role. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say, D, is that we have a little bit for yeah. every situation. And yeah. that's really what you need in your role players. Yeah. And just to hammer home that schedule point really quickly before we go to break, upcoming opponents include Memphis, Denver, Utah, Miami, Brooklyn, Philly. Charlotte and then Atlanta again. And so already, look, Dwight's played well against Sacramento twice this season already. You can pencil him in, not in pen, pencil him in against them. He's going to play against Jokic in Denver. He's going to play against Embiid in Philly. And he might play against Utah as well, against Gobert. Now, Utah is a different type of matchup with their ball movement and their pull-up shooting ability. But I'll be interested to see... 
his number is going to get called. And it just so happens that some of those games are spaced out by a few days or by a few games, right? So it could be like, hey, Dwight, we see you for a game and then you sit for three days and then, hey, you're back. And that may just be the rhythm of his season for the rest of the year, particularly after AD gets back. All right, we're going to switch gears in this uh, last segment and talk a little bit about the West. There are a couple of nationally televised games that were germane to the Lakers' interest yesterday. One was Golden State versus Dallas. They retired Dirk's uh, jersey after the game, and Dallas played really well. And then Denver fell to the Utah Jazz, which is what put the Lakers in the sixth seed. Mike, we're right on that play-in territory, not in play-in territory, right on the cusp of that. So what, what are you looking at uh, when you, you watch these games with these other teams that are, uh, that are right in that same territory? Well, it's a little bit of what we had discussed last week where the Lakers have to start actually winning games or they're going to they're gonna stay in this territory because the rest of the Western Conference isn't necessarily going to keep staying uh, in that same area of flirting with 500. And Dallas, since you mentioned that first, Pete, They've now won four games in a row, and Luca's back. Even though Porzingis is in health and safety protocols, what they've done is they're starting Jalen Brunson now next to Luca. And you heard all this talk from Dallas, or, or at least kind of periphery of Dallas, is that they have to find a way to trade for a playmaker, or maybe you know Goran Dragic will find a way to get there. Meanwhile, they had this guy on their bench; it's a pretty good player. Like Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson is pretty good, and we saw him. We saw him almost beat the Lakers. Yeah, he was really that, good against us. In that yep. overtime game at Dallas. Because he's just he's a traditional, he's really good in screen roll. He, he has all that he has all that little mid-range stuff. And if not, he'll get to the rim. He can shoot threes. So he's a he's a, a pretty good player. I think has been underrated. So Dallas is now a half game ahead of the Lakers at 20 and 18. And that was the first game. They played well. Uh, and they they beat Golden State despite trailing by seven in the third quarter. They wanted this big run to win the game. Then there's Memphis, who's four games up from them in the loss column. And then on the other side, Denver at 500 and the Clippers at 500 with the Wolves not far behind. So this is a, I just think that the Lakers are in this nice little groove where they've won three in a row, but you know, they're, they're heading, they're heading into a tougher port uh, portion of the schedule. And I'm just going to reiterate that same thing, Darius, where like it's, it's to stay connected and have a chance at catching Memphis if they slip at some point, if they catch an injury or uh, whatever it might be, and or to avoid the teams that are right around them up until the point where they get whole with Davis back. Uh, I just I think it's something that we have to keep in mind and monitor. We definitely need to monitor it. The way I always look at this stuff is I love the schedule watch, but then I always love to think about it from the framework of the Lakers got to control what they can control, right? And so the point that we were hammering about the Lakers need to start winning games and why we were sort of frustrated on the heels of that tough loss that the Lakers took. And I can't even remember what game it was because they've taken so many. It could describe so many games. Yeah, right. (laughs) Memphis is the most recent one. Yeah. Yeah. And we recorded we did the pod without Pete. We didn't want to speak for Pete. Right. About like but you but you and I, Mike, we were a bit frustrated because we're past the point of moral victories. We're still in the. We're still in the context of learning the team, but hey, while you're learning, can you get some more of the answers right, like on the test? Oh, real quick interjection. It's like the opposite of when the when the Lakers beat Milwaukee and the Clippers two years ago, and everyone was like, oh, they had to show that they could beat that. It's like, well, they're the one seed, you know? Like, they, yeah. that's that's the first thing. That's when you have the luxury of being the one seed, then you can, then you need those moral victories 
to, you know, in the regular season, like right now, the Lakers are not in that territory. They're in like, they got to, you know, build their way up the standings. No, they've got to climb the ladder. And, and so I look at the schedule in front of the team right now, Atlanta, they're banged up and going through some some issues. But guess what? It's a Friday night game in Los Angeles, and I'm betting Trey Young is going to play. And those sort of big stage environment games, everyone gets up for those. And then it's Memphis again. And John Morant looks at the Lakers, and I think he sees food. Like he, he looks at the league and sees food, man. Well, They've been but, playing. I watch a lot of their games. They've been playing great. I think specifically against the Lakers, he gets up to play the Lakers. And I don't think he needs any extra motivation. He talked about this the other day. He gave a quote where he said, we see ourselves as road warriors. Like we bring that extra juice on the road. Well, guess what? That's a game at crypto.com arena, right? And so that's another road game against the Lakers. And I think that he's going to be up for that. Then it's like, okay, Sacramento again. They've played the Lakers tough all season for whatever reason. They've just played Lakers tough. Then it's Denver, Utah, Indy. And then in that next stretch of games on the road, Mike, Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, Charlotte, Atlanta again. That's a that's a brutal part of the schedule where iron does sharpen iron, but you know, which part is getting sharper? Is it going to be the Lakers opponent or is it going to be the Lakers? And uh, they're going to need to start to pull out some wins because the West, for all the talk of the West is down, the West is down. Well, COVID's run rampant through the entire league. The West isn't going to be down forever. And these star players, a guy like Luka or Jokic or any of these guys, they've all got a push in them. These are MVP level players. Like, and, and so the same push that we've been seeing LeBron make, other guys are going to want to make make that push too. And, and so I'm super anxious to see whether or not the Lakers can build on these performances, Pete, because it's going to be important for the standings push. We're coming up on the halfway part of the season. Yeah, I think that this next month really determines the season in a lot of ways. I, I think that we used up a lot of runway in the first half of the season, figuring out who we are, a lot of external stuff with the injuries and, and all of that. But we're at a point now where we need a decent run of injuries. Like guys are going to get hurt between now and the end of the season, but we need to avoid major injuries. And I do feel that we're on the right track with our lineups with, I'm super curious to see, where Vogel goes now because like Vogel's embracing of the small ball style the Stanley Johnson uh, as a micro ball five for example he's going to be discovering things that I I think that once a week there's going to be something that he does or says where I'm like oh wow that's it I hadn't thought of it in that way he's the guy he's the guy that is that will be leading us to where we need to be going and we're heading in the right direction now and so I don't think I'm as concerned about the results right now over the next month we do need to win games we do need to stay attached but i think that when ad comes back is when we make our push like i think we're in a point right now mike where we're looking to maintain and then that separation can come and maybe that only gets us to the five seed that's what it's looking like with memphis winning a lot of their games that looks like the most attainable seed for us right now is that five spot and so i see us kind of maintaining and staying in the mix until then and then making the push once ad comes back is that too late in your eyes well this is a yes and no, right? This is a, it could make the argument both ways. It's if basically what happened with the rest of the Western Conference has allowed for the Lakers to have their early season struggles to an extent. 
if the rest of the Western Conference was normal and, you know, Dallas had stayed healthy and, you know, Denver had stayed reasonably healthy and those teams were those teams would be where Memphis is right now. And the Lakers would be sitting there, you know, five, six games back in the loss column trying to figure out if those if those teams are even attainable, if they go uh, on a slide. So I just think that it's both of these things where, of course, the most important thing, period, is that they just learn what they are and start to play better. And in they're getting close enough to when they get to the postseason, none of those teams want to see them. But I think what we've seen recently, now that they've switched this style, they're good enough to get wins, even if it's not going to come easily. And it's it's important to focus on the results some, you know, in the short term. And and hopefully these two things are melding to the point where when AD comes back, they can rip off a, a certain degree of a run. But I, I'm just trying to emphasize that as I think the coaches are like, hey, let's be let's be mindful of, of where things are in the league. So for me, this is a situation of why not both? Mm-hmm. And so. Look, I'd love for the Lakers to be able to make a run when AD gets back. I also don't want them to look at AD coming back in the next three weeks, potentially, and saying, well, if we just tread water, wait until AD gets back, right? Because there's danger in that mindset to me. And so for me, this is a why not both, right? Like you have discovered some things that work now. You have found a style of play that you have embraced And with this coaching staff, I think tweaking and finding new angles to explore and the players getting more comfortable and more familiar with with each other. Why not win some games? Why not beat Atlanta? Why not beat Memphis? You're at home. Why Mm -hmm. not go on the road and beat Sacramento? Guess what? Denver's banged up. Why not beat Denver? That's right. On and on and on. You can make a case for every single one of these games like they should be in it at least. And if you're in it, go win the damn game. Because in the end, Pete, this is where I'm at. Hey, why not turn this three-game win streak into a six-game win streak or a seven-game win streak? And then maybe you lose one, and then maybe you rip off another two. Then maybe you lose one, and then you rip off another three. And you're like, okay, well, now in the last 15 games, the Lakers are 11-4. and And now AD is on the horizon, and there's actually something that you're like, okay, let's let's meld these things together and not just be like, okay, well, in the Lakers' last 15 games, they're eight and seven, but Anthony Davis is coming back next week. And so that will solve it because I'm sorry, we've been playing that game all season of wait until this, wait until that. And, and I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but I want to make sure that that isn't something that that's not the mentality that can be easily slipped into. And, and I don't want them to take steps in that direction necessarily. Certainly. And you could argue that we're right in the middle of one of those 15 games runs that you're looking for right now. We've won four out of five. We've won all four games that LeBron has started at the five. And that's something that at the end of a 15 game stretch, 10 games from now, are we looking back at it and saying 11 and four? I think we could be 12 and three, even if it, if, if that stretch goes well. That said, in in aggregate, with this particular roster the way it is, I view us as like a 600-level team. Um, that was my hope. When Mike and I did a pod when, when you were out of town a little while back where he was asking, like, what are the expectations coming up right now before AD comes back? And I thought that short-term, we, we had a seven-game stretch where it was going to be kind of easy that is wrapping up uh, – with that Memphis game, which is not an easy game, but it was a five straight, five straight at home. And he's like, what do you think of this seven game stretch? And I was like, four and three. And we're on pace to do better than that, to be a, a, to be a six and one, five and two type of stretch. And so 
in a few more games, maybe we end up in that spot. But ultimately, I think that we're around a 600 level team and that's not going to be enough to run away and hide from Dallas now that they have Luka back. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what I mean by maintaining is maintaining this level of play. If we're a 500 team for an extended stretch of time, you don't go from 500 team to adding a star player and now all of a sudden you're a championship contender. There's like you have to be 600 or above to be able to add a star player and make a credible argument that he is who puts us over over the top mic to being that team. And I think that we're playing that caliber basketball. I think that's about where we're at. Yeah, and and also there the way that the Lakers with this small ball for the most part group with with the I know we started the pod talking about Dwight in certain lineups. That is a tough team to play on a given night. Uh, LeBron at center and figuring out how that team's going to score yep. against yep. most defenses. So they're, so they're going to have, if they scrap and play pretty good defense, like some of the nights where it looks like that might be a tough game. It might be the, the game might just look differently based on what the Lakers are doing right now. In some of the ways where we, like we would talk about opponents and you know how like Phoenix and Golden State are going to play a certain night. And it's really difficult because they, but there are some wild card teams um, out there and like when the Clippers for example could do that the last couple of years so that's that's just a, something to bring into the whole thinking when the Lakers go into a given matchup and you know look as they get Atlanta next that's that's one of those where it's going to be interesting to see um, how that game plays out yeah we should hopefully get some cheap wins just based off of being unconventional you're not playing another team that has a LeBron at the five or something that reasonably approximates that so yeah hopefully we get some W's off of that we will be back tomorrow we have not done a mailbag pod over the course of this season yet. So we're going to be back tomorrow with the mailbag with the caveat. And I still know we're like 75% of the questions are going to be about this. We cannot talk about players on other teams as like trade targets. We can talk about concepts and, you know, two-way wings and, and things of that nature, right? But, I'll so, answer your questions about specific players. There you go. Darius will answer. Darius. <laughs> there you go. I'll, we'll put out a call on Twitter. Uh, and, and if you're listening to the pod, please chime in. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with a mailbag episode here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around right. for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James. 
putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.